You're listening to the Family Discipleship Podcast, a podcast of training the church. When Adam and Eve feel ashamed, it's God who goes and undoes it. He's the one that kills the animal, makes the clothes, and says, let me cover you up. He said, your effort to cover yourselves is pretty poor here with these leaves. Let me give you something a little more lasting. Or I don't, definitely don't intend to do it. I don't set out with my day. How many times can I make my kids feel embarrassed or ashamed of something they've mm-hmm. done? It just comes out. And then, you know, you have to kind of repair that. No, it's who can bring a charge against the Lord's elect? Is it somebody external? Is it somebody internal? No, the answer is nobody. It's God who justifies. Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen his own? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. What a delight. This is Adam Griffin, and I'm here with my lovely, wonderful, talented co-hosts. First, Mrs. Cassie Bryan. How are you doing today, Cassie? I am unashamedly Cassie Bryan. Unashamedly. That's awesome. Little teaser. Little teaser. Oh, just jumping ahead to, oh, the, to what we're talking about. No, you're great. People who are going to read the title of the episode, oh, they right. probably already know what we're talking about. Uh, Chelsea, how about you? How are you? Oh, Chelsea's also here. Chelsea, how are you today? You're full-time, around the clock, 100%, first wife, only wife. That's right. All of those things. My I'm, ex-girlfriend, Chelsea oh, Griffin's here. I was going to say, the ex-girlfriend joke's about to come out. Sorry. It's a dumb joke. Right on time. Sorry. My first wife, it. Chelsea Griffin. It's, it's good to be here. It's good to have you here. Thank you. It's my you. house. Oh, yeah. You you have to be here. You own it. Thanks for hosting, you guys. Speaking of gratitude, last week's episode. Yeah. I'm grateful for y'all and your oh. home. Oh, my gosh. We're so grateful, we're grateful for, for you. you. Like, my Speaking of shame, I'm so ashamed that you had to even say that. And, Why? Oh, I don't know. I'm just trying to segue into our topic for oh, today. Oh, great. Yeah. Today, we're talking about shame. Before we do that, uh, house. Keeping item real quick. If you haven't already, uh, we do have a live show coming up in November in the, in the city of Dallas. And you can find details in the show notes and on social media. And that's all I'm going to say today. It's going to be great. If you haven't gotten a ticket yet, uh, please pick one up. If it's sold out, I'm sorry you missed it. But it's just going to be a select few people and we are going to have a blast November 2nd. When Adam said in the city of Dallas, did you think in the city City, City of Compton. Compton. <laughs> uh, we can't City say that. City of I'm... Dallas. We can't say Compton? <laughs> just oh. No, you can say whatever you want. Do you want. feel embarrassed or ashamed? Why would I be embarrassed? I My that? wife knows every rap lyric ever. That's why I looked at her. Rap song, rap song. That's why I looked at Chelsea when I said it. Oh, well. Not, no great. offense. Now that I'm saved, I know a lot of Christian rap songs. Oh, yeah. The Lord just gave you that gift when you got saved. You have the spiritual gift. Do you remember what gift you told me you had when it comes to rapping <laughs> on our first date? Yeah, I'd prefer you just... Can we move on? Why? Is there shame involved? Yeah. Ooh. Okay. Well, then we won't mention it. Thanks. Let's get right to our topic of today. That was a much better Can segue than what I had turn before. This off? Yeah, yeah, we'll okay. tell you off the air. Yeah. This is going to be premium content. This is behind the Patreon yeah, it's on, yeah, it's on, wall. Behind the wall. We can maybe in. mention it during the live if she gets <laughs> yeah. rid of her shame around it. That's right. Yeah. If you guys are, I will tell you off air if you're at the, the show on November 2nd, which will be great. All right. Well, uh, this episode, we are talking about shame, which if there's anything that parents struggle with, I mean, we've had a whole episode on parenting guilt, which is a little bit related, I would think in some ways, Mm -hmm. but shame is certainly something that a lot of parents struggle with. So let's dive right in. Uh, We're going to talk by, we're going to start by talking about our own struggles with shame, for which I mean, I've gone through hours and hours of counseling about this. We can do it on air here oh, and gosh. do it live, but 
Uh, let's talk about it. Uh, Cassie, Chelsea, where has shame been something that has been difficult for you? Uh, a vice that you've struggled with? I think it might be helpful and maybe we should have done this for previous episodes. So apologize, listeners. But here we go. A de- working definition for shame. Yeah, give it and, to me. Well, talking about guilt. So I think for a long time I've thought of those two things as the same thing. Okay. And But I think they're different. Mm-hmm. And so I just would be interested even to hear us tease that out and thinking about the difference between guilt and shame. Yeah. Well, what are y'all thinking? I remember at the village Chandler teaching on this and that was helpful for me and him talking about how like guilt can be literal and objective, right? You mm-hmm. can be guilty if you told a lie, you are guilty of lying, right? And so that's real. So then we could be ashamed of what we're guilty of, right? but then shame can also be morally ne- neutral, right? We could be ashamed of our socioeconomic status. We can be ashamed of something about the way we look. We can be ashamed of something we've been a victim of even though none of those actually require our guilt, right. you know. But, yeah, sometimes our literal guilt does lead to our shame. That's true. So you can have both, for, right. you know, for the same reason. But sometimes shame is, is morally neutral but still something we carry. Right. That's great. I think uh, related to that, I think the word that comes to mind for me is humiliation. Mm. And that can come internally. I humiliate myself, even though no one externally is done anything to humiliate me. But I interpret my current circumstance as humiliating. Mm. Like you said, could be morally neutral. Or I could be humiliated by someone else. Someone else is casting shame on me by, by belittling or dragging me down or making little of me. And so shame is that kind of negative feeling that comes from saying something is really wrong with me. Yeah even if uh, that is a lie. And, uh, Mm. you know, when we're talking about shame, we definitely have to talk about discerning what is true and what is not. That's why I think your definition, Chelsea, when you're talking about literal guilt, did I do something I shouldn't? And in this conversation, and we'll get to this in scripture, certainly Paul talks about how there's a godly grief over sin. Mm -hmm. There should be like a sorrow over sin. But there's not a verse that says like, you should be ashamed of right. it. You should be humiliated. Yeah. And while we are humble, we are not people who belittle. We are not people who insult ourselves or others in order to like create an emotional response, um, a negative emotional response to feel better about uh, ourselves or somebody else. But I think it's helpful. I just felt like for the listeners, it might be good to like distinguish the two. And No, I like that. Thanks for helping us differentiate a little bit. Yeah. There. Well, what about for you? Is there any struggle of shame? Anything that's really difficult for you around that? Yeah, I think that, I mean, I've historically struggled a little bit with imposter syndrome. So just feeling like a constant sense of I don't belong in a place. Hmm. And if only someone knew the things that I know about myself, you know, the dark thoughts that I've had, my sin struggles, my past, whatever it is, you know, then I wouldn't be invited or be part of this, you know. Uh, and I don't mean just the podcast, I mean like any room, like my my job, my marriage, my, you know, and I think that, that that is the story of shame in my life. The work of shame over a long period of time has convinced me that I don't belong. Mm. And so then I have to like lean into then what is true. That you about, do belong? Yeah, but not because of anything I've done, but because yeah. of first I'm made in God's image and then second because Christ died for my sins. But yeah, so shame is definitely a part of my story and has to be something that I battle. It's just something, it's kind of like an ongoing battle. Is there a version of that that specifically applies to you as a a mom? Hmm. Like imposter syndrome? Do you ever feel like, man, I'm not doing this the way I should? or Or I just don't deserve 
I don't deserve you guys. You know, or I think about like, you know, especially coming on the heels of gratitude. It's like sometimes the inverse of gratitude, maybe even for me, instead of entitlement, is looks like I don't deserve this. Shane would say, yeah. I don't deserve this. And so I don't even know how to be grateful because I'm too This is too good for embarrassed me. by the riches. Yeah, yeah. It's too good for me. Yeah. Does that make sense? No, I I I resonate with that for sure. Yeah. I've been there a yeah. hundred times over. I could say, yeah, I've I've been in a place where I could look around and go, instead of a godly way of saying, hey, this is credit goes to God for this. Mm-hmm. I go, uh, this, there's something gross in me. Anytime we can make it about ourselves, right? Our yeah. flesh is like, yeah, do that. Eager, eager for it. Yeah. And then I've definitely used shame to motivate my children, which is a big bummer. Talk to me about that. What does that look like? Oh, it's just like, I mean, it just can't, it comes like second nature somehow where it's just, you make them feel bad for, I mean, when they're potty training, they have an accident. Mm-hmm. It can be your, just your tone. And I don't mm-hmm. think I mean to do it or I definitely don't intend to do it. I don't set out with my day. How many times can I make my kids feel embarrassed or ashamed of something they've Mm -hmm. done? It just comes out. And then, you know, you have to kind of repair that. Yeah. Yeah. And apologize. You know, we've talked about apologies a ton on this, but but there is there's a sense in which until I can see that my kids feel bad, my something in me is not satisfied. Mm. And so humiliation is a weapon that Ooh, a parent yeah. uses I felt that. to say there you need to feel this like, way. I want you and to- until yeah, until you hurt, until I can tell their sorrow, even if it's not a, a righteous sorrow, a righteous grief, I go like there's I my heart is not satisfied until you hurt. And that is an ugly, kind of malicious, mm. even cruel way that our hearts interpret. Uh, other people's behavior that reflects on us. Yeah. 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 Chelsea, how about you? Yeah. If uh, if anybody out there has a kid who's um, not in a hurry, oh. uh, a child who f- seems inefficient. We do. We we have that. Almost, I think every everyone I talk to has more than one kid. There, there's a one child that a is- A toddler. A toddler. Yeah. That's what, that's what our, our worship pastor called it, is a, is a toddler. And kind of like we've talked about, about gratitude of like, We've got to look at these people and say, man, how free are you? You don't seem stressed. You don't seem anxious. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Look at you. We're, we said a million times, it's time to go. And you still haven't even located your shoes. How present <laughs> you must be. Yeah, you are in the moment. I mean, you are just petting the dog. That is awesome. That's awesome. You even don't though- care about anyone, what they think that you're late. Yeah. Now you're getting into yeah. that parental sarcasm. <laughs> oh, I love what you. you did there. So oh, proud wow. of you. <laughs> you didn't care at all that your dad Which had a, a long day. Yeah. He had to get you somewhere to yes. serve you. But yeah, there's this attitude there in, in our hearts of just like, like the shame we can put on a child that, that is what the commu- what we're communicating, the message is you are an inconvenience. Mm. You are a hassle. A bother. You're a bother. Kids who have a lot of questions, kids who have a high word count. Sometimes we can subconsciously without meaning to, or sometimes if we mean to, you know, send a message that says yeah. like, there's something about you that is not actual guilt. It's not actually wrong with you. And yet I want you to feel wrong about it because it bothers me. It's an inconvenience to me. It's a hassle to me. I don't have the patience for it. And instead of repenting for my impatience, I actually just like to see you kind of get some stress in you about the fact that you're displeasing mom and then be different. And then my life would be more convenient. Mm. And so that whole message right there, I'm ashamed of all of that. Hmm. But that's, but that's a real thing that parents face. Yeah. That we face as parents. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for honestly sharing that, Chelsea. That's That's great honesty. I I think my version of shame is different from what I've heard you guys describe so far. So tell me if this is if, if I'm sitting over here by myself. <laughs> like, but I I am so often my own tormentor. 
I will analyze what has been done and what has been said, and I will stress about why I didn't do it better or what I'm going to do next time. Or Chelsea knows this about me. I'm so concerned, even though I know better, with the impression I make in somebody else's eyes, be it my kids, be it my congregation, uh, be it a listener. Mm. I'm so concerned with what people think that when I see, when I make a flub, when I say something I wish I hadn't, be it on a former episode of this podcast or in a sermon, something that I feel like, I, I know that for most people, they blew right by it without thinking about it. I cringe to remember things mm. I said and did. And I will torment myself with them. Not in the sense of like, like a dungeon master torturer where I'm just abusing myself with it, but in the sense of I don't let it go. And I am humiliated by it. Mm. And I have a grasp on my worst parenting moments like I never do on my best. I have a, a cling to them because that seems the truest thing about me. Like that's the real you that the came out. The real me is the yeah. worst me. Yeah. And that's what the Lord knows of me. And that's what my kids have seen. And I used to have this um, pretty real fear that my kids' first or only memories of me when they were a child was going to be my worst parenting moments. Mm -hmm. It wasn't going to be, hey, dad used to take us to the zoo. It was going to be, dad yelled at us. It mm -hmm. was going to be, I, I mean, I haven't really yelled at our kids. We don't yell in our house, but those, just my worst moments. Dad lost his, his patience when he was impatient with me. And whatever it is, I was just like, man, that is, my fear was that was going to be the interpretation of me in their life. Or, you know, I'm, I've listened to so many men share their stories over the years, which I'm so grateful for. People trust me with their testimony. Mm, People yeah. trust me with where they need counsel. And I can't tell you how many men's stories, the villain of their story is their dad. Mm -hmm. And in that, I see even, even though I would say like, I don't think that will be my, I hope it's not my kid's testimony. I'm like, oh, it's so easy to blame your father and I can, I'm preemptively, I'm preemptively and hypothetically the villain in their story in a way that I can already torment myself with, with this shame and humiliation. I struggle with that sense of self-torment. And, you know, some of my friends who struggle with OCD or uh, what's the word, Chelsea, for the person who's always looking to the, the minister to tell them whether or not something is holy. Uh, like scrupulosity. Scrupulosity, thank you. I don't know why that word was escaping me, probably because it's huge. But our friends who struggle more with scrupulosity or OCD, and we have many, because I'm not talking about any one person in particular, I can resonate with that feeling because I know there are things that I will fixate on and not let go mm -hmm. when it comes to my mistakes. And I'll say that I will not say to myself overtly, but I will feel it. I will feel, I still feel middle school stuff so fresh, stuff mm. that I said to kids I shouldn't have said, kids I made fun of, I shouldn't have made fun of, ways I felt when I was picked on. I'm like, ah, oh, it's so fresh. I just cringe to remember it. And I wish the Lord could just remove that from me. I want to feel free. So sorry if I'm sitting over here by myself, being myself tormentor. No. Anybody else? You ever get there? No, I think that yeah. is the story. The story of shame is that, I mean, I guess there are cases where it's other people shaming you, but there are a lot of cases, I would say, where it's all, it's a lot of it's the internal. Yeah. For sure. It's, it's, it's a mm -hmm. voice that like, no one is speaking to you like that. You know, some, mm -hmm. sometimes right. in some families or in some lives, like maybe you do have someone, but a lot of our cases, like we're speaking to mm -hmm. ourselves in a way that like, no mm -hmm. one actually talks to you like that. Right. But also if they do, you know, that's a, 
that's their sin against God. Mm-hmm. You know, but I'll do that too, Adam, where I'll kind of review. Sometimes it's just the day's events. And I think of something I said that I just wish I hadn't said. Yeah. And yes, that cringe of just, uh, because that's not, because there's this false gospel of like, I want to be on a throne of sorts. I, right. I'm looking for justification in myself and in my deeds. And so now I'm not justified anymore. That's, that's mm. what all that is, you know, mm. but I'll tell you one thing I do. I hope it helps somebody is when I think of something, which is very often for me to think of something I said, and I wish I hadn't have said, and I just always pray that I just am like, Lord, can you just let that fall off their ears? Would you, yeah. could you help that per like yeah. if that was hurtful, if that was mm-hmm. um, taken the wrong way, instead of just like wrestling about, well, did they take it like this? Or do I have to call them and check them, check and see how it was taken? I'm just like, Lord, can you just like let it fall off their ears? And then I just feel kind of released from it. Just like the Lord will do what he's going to do. We can all think of stuff someone has said to us yeah. that's either stuck with us and maybe the other person said it flippantly or maybe they did mean it. And like, we're all dealing with that. So that goes in circles. Yeah. Um, but that's something I struggle with a lot is, is shame over words that, that have come out of my mouth that I wish they didn't. There's no way to get them back. There's feels like there's no way to, yeah, wipe that stain away. And the blood of Jesus covers it all, but man, in those moments, it feels like right. it feels it's uncovered. Like, it yep. feels uncovered. And it feels like I need something else. I wonder, right. like, as you better. were talking about sitting on a throne, like the original, I don't know, like our flesh and our sin nature wants to be like God. Yep. And so then the story of shame is us just being constantly reminded that we're not what we want yep. in mm-hmm. our flesh. Like, mm-hmm. we're not. And so it's just this cyclical of that. And then so then we try to exert something that would. Give us that sense of control or yeah. feel good. Yeah. You know, it's like metaphoric, self-righteousness. It's the metaphoric fig leaves, right? It's like yes. when I look down and see like I am exposed. I am not cover. like God the way I wish I was. I will cover it up and I will make mm-hmm. myself the cover. Mm-hmm. Of course, we know in the story of Genesis, and we can get to this here in a little bit when we talk more about scripture, but you know, God sees the ramifications of their sin. He curses creation, but he also makes for them a covering. And he, yeah. his, the covering he makes for them is not fig leaves. It's the skin of an animal. It's that mm. someone else's life is given so that their shame is covered. And it's one of the first pictures of the gospel story that we have that your life may not be taken right now, but someone's life will pay the price for what has happened. And in that covering, I, I would be tempted even in that moment to be like, I am so ashamed totally. that someone else gave their yeah. life for me. Someone else had to pay a price for me. But the story of the gospel is not one of humiliation for sinners. It's one of liberation, right? Mm-hmm. It's a, of emancipation, saying you were a slave to sin, now you're free. Mm-hmm. You, were, you were far from God, an enemy, and now you're brought close, you're adopted. And it's not, so you should feel humiliated. Look at what God had to do for you. Right. Which we hear, I mean, you get that sentiment in the worst parenting minds, right? Like, right. look how much I had to give up for you. You don't appreciate me enough. The Lord does not speak to us like that. Mm, no. He is not a tormentor where he's holding over our heads the price of Jesus' life or the price of Jesus' blood and saying, how dare you take this for granted? Now, he knows what's good for us and he calls us into gratitude, but he is not one who rubs our faces in something. Yeah, He's, he's more the one who says, forgive him. He doesn't even know what he's doing. Oh. Okay, let's talk about strengths. I could talk about <laughs> struggles around shame, but I don't know that any of us can be helped if we just sit here, not even mm. me, if we just sit here and, and talk about our struggles. Let's talk about strengths. When it comes to that, that negative sense of self-tormenting humiliation, where do you feel like you're able to fight that back and see that dwindle or the, the volume is turned down on shame or turned off? Where do you see the opposite kind of reigning true for you? 
I mean, I think that when we speak over our children and our and our family, their worth, their dignity, that's a way that we combat shame in their in their story and in our own. Honestly, I mean, we're like speaking the truth over ourselves too, and so I think saying what is true out loud. Yeah. It helps combat the things that we believe in our heads. We were talking before we hit record, but I'm reading a book by Kurt Tom, Dr. Kurt Thompson, who was a speaker at a retreat I got to go to during our sabbatical. And I got his book while I was there because it was it was um, really compelling, some of the things he had to say. And I thought, I want to read more. So I'm reading it. We're, our GC is reading it right now. It's called Soul of Shame. There's a lot of books on shame. This is like not a unwritten about topic. I don't know how to say that. <laughs> now I feel ashamed. I don't know how to say it. Uh, but it's definitely a covered topic. You know, you've got Brene Brown's work on it. You've got, you know, there's a lot. But he, this is a small book. It's not a very big one. I should have brought it. Um, he kind of talks about how it's narrative based and it's the story. It's the story we're telling ourselves. Yeah. And that we've got the story that we tell about shame, the story shame tells about us and the story that God tells about both. And so, like any story, I think that saying, telling the story out loud, the true story, the one that God's telling, is one of the best ways we can combat it. And so I find myself even now doing that in our, in our home, just yeah. saying out loud, repeating, like, what is true? What, is, what do we have? Great. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I'm early in my journey of understanding this because I think I've just so far white-knuckled. My relationship with shame is kind of white-knuckling it. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, similar white-knuckle, but I've also like, not wanted to let, I've not tried to let go of it. It's just because mm. it seems, the thing about shame that's so insidious is it seems true. It's familiar. Yeah. We've literally had it probably since we were conscious. Always. I mean. It's the way we've de- dealt with, coped, or like like you said, the narrative. It's the story that seems the most true version yeah. of us. It's the the Christian who clings to the dirty rags verse and says, that's yeah. me, and isn't willing to say, no, that that would have been me yeah. if not for Christ. You know, like where you go, no, I'm just, I'm just filthy rags. Mm-hmm. No, you are worth so much to the Lord. He is not looking at you in Christ and saying like Christ's life was mm-hmm. ugh, wasted on you. You're yeah. just filthy rags. Dr. Thompson says in the book, he talks about how like shame is a tool used by the evil one or the force of evil. You know, I don't, he doesn't really um, doesn't personify get too specific about, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he just says there's good and evil at work. And so he says evil is using shame as a tool right. to destroy and it destroys the self, it destroys community, yeah. and it destroys what is true, like God's story. And so it's really interesting to think about that sense of belonging. Shame is working against yeah. the sense of, I belong here, not because of anything I've done, but I do belong in this room with you guys having this conversation because of what God has done and what he's called us to. I belong in my family because this, I belong at my church because of Christ. And so it's like, but shame would work against all mm-hmm. of those things to destroy me right. as a person. Justin, where do you feel like there's strength in you when in regards to shame? I think motherhood gives us a great window. We've talked about this a lot, just into the, like, mm-hmm. the love that we have for our own children. And so the thought of one of our children feeling like so ashamed about something that they couldn't come to us yeah. um, or thought that we would reject them or humiliate them, like, doesn't that just like break your heart thinking yeah. of that? And like, the obvious response in our heart is that would is so easy is just like no 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 come to me like you can tell me anything and you're not going to be rejected and I'm gonna I'm gonna be there, and so again like we always talk about this but that's just what been that's what's been so good for my faith about motherhood is is knowing that I wouldn't hesitate to offer a response like that to my child, mm. and so the father is even more so full of grace full of mercy knows everything. And, and he welcomes us in. He's, he has open arms all the time. 
He says, return to me, faithless Israel. Mm-hmm. He didn't say, come over here. You're finally acting right. He says, return to me, faithless Israel. And so he's always just, he's always the one that's inviting us back in. Yeah. Uh, when I think about things that that make me feel ashamed, I think my best, in my best moments, I'm able to say, when there's literal guilt, you know, to go, yeah, that's, that's why I need Jesus. Yeah. If that wasn't true about me, I wouldn't need him. That's good. But I have been saved by him, right? I think like a general term for things that make me feel ashamed would be hypocrisy, where like I, I do something that I know I'm not for, I'm against, and yet I, I find myself doing it, right? Doing the things that I don't want to do. But for anyone to come to Christ genuinely, they, they have to understand that in, on some level that we are hypocrites, right? Like when people say like that they don't like Christians because they're hypocrites, and I'm like, you have to be a hypocrite yeah. to come to Christ. You have to realize in yourself there are things I think are good and right, and I know I don't do them, and I want to do them, but I don't. And then there are things that I think are wicked and not right, and I do them anyways. So there, there is no coming to Christ without saying, I'm a hypocrite. And so it, really all of the things that kind of can have that voice of shame in our lives are really should be pointing us right back to the gospel going, thank God someone saved me from this. Mm-hmm. Him, literally. Thank him. Praise his name that he came after me and rescued me from my hypocritical state. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if someone is talking about me and is going, what a hypocrite, they are correct, but I have been rescued and redeemed. Yeah. I will be okay. Hey friends, it's March and that means Easter is right around the corner. In fact, Easter is in March this year. It's part of the reason I'm pumped to tell you about one of our sponsors who's got a really special Easter deal. This is a great time to get some new resources to disciple your family. Our friends over at Lithos Kids are having an Easter basket sale. They got the brand new Little Pilgrims Big Journey complete box set it's now available. Guys, I can't tell you how much I love this resource. If you don't have it, you need to go check it out. Kids and parents have loved reading about Bunyan's beloved tale of Christian and his adventure to follow the king's path to Celestial City. And now you can get all three books in one box set along with a map and it comes with a coloring book and the whole thing is just 60 bucks. You can use the code FAMILY10 to get 10% off your entire order at Lithos Kids right now. So what a great discipleship opportunity. To find all this, go to lithoskids.com, see all the items in their Easter promo, including their new release, The Parables of Jesus, and the Kingdom of God Bible Storybook. Guys, we love Lithos Kids. You're going to love them too. Go check it out today, lithoskids.com, and remember the promo, FAMILY10, to get 10% off your entire order. Hey listeners, we live in a world where anxiety, depression, and weariness seem to be the basic descriptors of our lives. For many of us, our calendars and our plates are overfull, yet our lives still lack joy. But it doesn't have to be this way. Jesus invites you to have true and abundant joy that's only found in Him. In John 15, Jesus reveals three very surprising pathways to finding this type of joy. You can discover these pathways in the new book, Overflowing Joy, by author and Bible teacher Tara Dew. This is available at LifeWay.com, and you can save 40% off with the code JOY40. Again, that's J-O-Y, the number four, the number zero, at LifeWay.com. The new book is Overflowing Joy by Tara Dew. Check it out. Yeah, what I love about both y'all's answers about strength is they're both rooted in the gospel, that like 
none of us have a story of shame where we go like, and and you know what? This is where I'm really good here on my own. <laughs> but the, what it, where I see strength in me around shame is a very real sense of where I see rightly I am not ashamed. So when I see rightly myself, and one of the things that I, I think the root of shame is rooted in the idea where I have taken on the judgment seat from God and said, no, 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 no. You can say one thing, but God, I know better than you do mm. about me and about my behavior, about my performance, about the way I should be spoken of or thought of. I take away the judgment seat from him and say, no, I'll be, I'll be the judge. And with a strength that I have there is acknowledging that God is my judge. Uh, acknowledging, like uh, Paul talks about, it's a very small thing that any one of you in a human court would judge me. I don't even judge myself, he says. I would find mm -hmm. myself entirely too innocent. But he says that God alone is going to be my judge, which of course is scary when it comes to those who are condemned, who do not follow Christ, but is such a delight, a delightful emancipation mm. for the person who does follow Jesus, yeah. that in Christ, I am not who I would be without him. I'm a new creation. I am born again. And so I can look at myself in the mirror and not hate what I see. <laughs> I can think about my past and not cringe from it. And, uh, you know, we have such a, a cultural movement of victim mentality that says, if somebody has wronged me, therefore I'm, I'm innocent. You can't hold anything against me. And I go, no, there are things you can hold against me. I'm I, I'm, I'm, I'm a victim of my own torment. I'm a victim of others. Yeah, absolutely. And there are things you can hold against me, but the Lord holds nothing against me. Uh, that in Christ, I am completely set free. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's where my strength lies in, in knowing that there's a better judge for me than I am for myself. And therefore, um, I love what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 5, I think it's verse 7. He says, cast all your burdens Cast all your burdens onto Christ because he cares for you. Mm -hmm. He cares for you. And it's a quote from, I think it's Psalm 55. But cast all your burdens on him. You get to take mm -hmm. anything that is weighing you down and say, God, this is yours. I can't handle this. And certainly shame is one of those burdens yeah. for me. It Just the, the sense in which I have failed. And I can hand that failure to the Lord and say, I trust you with this. Uh, let's turn the corner to some scripture. What, when you think about how the Word of God speaks to shame or what narratives speak to shame, what comes to mind for you guys? I think of Romans 8. So there's no condemnation. Con there's now, therefore, no condemnation for those in Christ. Yeah. And just thinking about when we've talked about this as a family or uh, with kids, we kind of you drive by a building that's been condemned. And it's like, basically, that means there's no hope. Like, it's yeah. going to get destroyed. Yeah. yeah. There's no renewal, no restoration. It's life is coming to an end. Yeah. Yep. It's been declared and it's final. Mm -hmm. And what Romans 8 tells us is, no, there's none of that. There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And then at the end of the chapter that nothing will separate us from his love. That's good. And so I think about when I when I was talking about the, the true narrative, the, the things that I tell myself to get out of shame is because of Christ, I'm not condemned. That's not the end of my story. How I'm feeling right now is not the end of my story, uh, nor is it valid. Um, and that nothing, even if I am guilty of the worst thing, if the worst thing happens to me, which I guess the worst thing would be to be separated from God's love, he's promised that nothing will do that. It's, yeah. it's in his sovereign you know, love for us. Nothing can, he's got his grip on us. It's not anything we do, you know? So yeah. that's a lot of comfort in that. 
Yeah, I love in Romans 8 too, where he says, who can bring a charge against the Lord's elect? Yeah. Which is such a great open-ended question of like, hey, can you can, yeah. uh, can you it's overcome like the judgment of God? Yeah. So God says, you're innocent. And you go, no, 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 God, stop right there. Let me stop you. I should be humiliated. And he goes, no, 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 I'm setting you free. Oh, mm, not yet, God. No, it's who can bring a charge against the Lord's elect? Is it somebody external? Is it somebody internal? No, the answer is nobody. It's God who justifies, mm-hmm. who dares accuse us, whom God has chosen his own. No one, for God himself, has given us right standing with himself. What a delight. Mm -hmm. What a gift. Chelsea, what scriptures come to mind for you? That's good. I thought of this verse in Colossians, and I looked it up, and it actually talks about shaming shaming someone else. So uh, this is from Colossians chapter 2. It says, In you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. I had forgotten the part about putting them to shame. So it's kind of interesting. But Mm -hmm. that sounds so freeing where it says he canceled the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. When you think of something like a life Mm -hmm. sentence um, or being sued for an amount of money that is more than you are worth, like what would you do? How can you get out Mm -hmm. of it? You know, that feeling. And God's saying like, I, I I put those to open shame. Yeah. Yep. Who, who are trying to hurt you. I think of Romans 5 says our hope doesn't put us to shame. Like we don't have to be ashamed in the hope that we have because our hope is not, people will see one day that I'm a really great person. That's not our hope. <laughs> that is a hope that will put you to shame. Right. You know, if we make grandiose claims about ourselves, then we have something to fear, right? Mm-hmm. That, that we're going to be put to shame um, when those turn out to be false. But because our hope is in something true, unfading, unperishing, something that no one can take from us, we, we aren't going to be put to shame by our hope. That's mm-hmm. excellent. That makes me think too of the women at the well and how, you know, if our, in our shame, we're afraid to be known. Mm-hmm. And how he knows her story. He yeah. knows everything. The things that she's afraid of other people knowing or she's, she feels the most shame about. And so it's like the things that we try to hide and cover ourselves. Like he knows it all. Yeah. And he still loves us. So it also makes yeah. me think that the power of shame I have in a relationship with God. So we hide from him, you mm-hmm. know, the way oh, yeah. in the garden. It's like. Yeah. That's, that's what came to mind for me when you talk about God giving somebody to open shame is saying like, if you're not with me, then you are, you are naked. And you sh- there is something to be mm-hmm. ashamed of in, in that sin. But God is, but in Christ, you are covered. Yeah. You are clothed in Christ, Paul said. You're clothed mm-hmm. in him. Uh, he, the writer of Hebrews says, like, the, the, the reason we get to walk with confidence into the throne room of God is because we walk through the veil that is torn that is the flesh of Christ. And so it's because of that torn flesh that that's the curtain that's torn. You get to walk in confidence. Mm-hmm. This is the thing. If, you know, shame is at one end of the spectrum, pride's kind of in the other, but I think the, the healthy version for the Christian is a Christian confidence, right? It says, I, I'm not prideful I'm, and I'm not ashamed, but I do have a Christian Secure. confidence. Yeah, it's a yeah. security. Yeah. It says, I can bring me to the throne room of God right now, God Almighty, who's larger than the universe, and I will walk in his presence and say, I belong here. Mm-hmm. Well, similar to what you're saying early, Cassie, that feeling you just don't belong anywhere. The Bible says, I can, I can walk into his throne room. And uh, the way Isaiah goes, um, you know, when he has this vision of God, he goes, I shouldn't be here. I, I'm a man of unclean lips. And they don't go like, no, you're fine. They go, no, let me, let me put a coal on your mouth. Yeah. And then you can stay. It's like, no, you go through a change mm-hmm. in order to be in the presence of God. 
But what we have endured, we, the, the punishment we deserve, we will not endure because Christ has endured for us. So through that, we get to be in his presence. Mm. I think of probably the most obvious one that comes to mind for me is the parable of the prodigal son. And in the parable of the prodigal son, you have this moment where it says he comes to his senses. He's run away, he's spent everything that was his inheritance, and now he's, he's feeding pods to pigs, and he's going, ah, oh, man, I would, I would eat what they're eating. This unclean animal, I'd have what they're having. And it says he comes to his senses, and his plan is, do you remember his plan? His plan was not to return to his father's house and say, I'm sorry. His plan was to come back, apologize, and then say, and I don't deserve to be your child anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be one of your servants. Just, just let me, just feed me, just keep me alive, but I don't deserve to be your son. Which I think in that moment, we would all understand that feeling of going, okay, I messed up, I'm humiliated. I will just, you know what I need? I need to admit to God, I should be humiliated. And instead what we see the father do in that story is not go, oh, you disgusting son. Oh, you've ruined your life. I told, I told you so. We see a father eager yeah. to express compassion to welcome him back, to put the ring on the finger and say, you're still my son. It's almost like he interrupts the son's plan where the son's like, hey, I'm back. I'm ready to be one of your servants, not even your child. And the, the father's like, let's celebrate. Mm -hmm. I'm celebrating your presence. And of course, the other end of the spectrum, we have the prideful son there, which we could talk about as well. The one who feels entitled to the party. And even there, the father is saying like, no, 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 no. Come close to me. Don't make yourself far from me because you think you don't need me. Mm -hmm. And don't make yourself far from me because you think you're too disgusting to be close to me. Both ends of the spectrum are rooted in a lie that says, yeah. I don't want you near me. No, the father says, come, let me put the best robe on you. Let me celebrate our nearness, our reconciliation. Not because you earned it, not because you did well enough. No, because I love you that much. Yeah. And I, I need that. I need that reminder. There's uh, Henry Nowen, I think, wrote that Prodigal Son uh, book about the um, the painting, The Prodigal Son. And it is so brilliant in its just theological picture of what it means to like run back to the Father who's, who's compassionate and welcoming to you, even in the midst of your shame. Mm. I need that reminder. Let's, uh, let's land the plane a little bit here. What is the, the so what for parent? A, a parent is thinking about right now, I'm just... I'm cringing from the way my household has been run. I'm cringing from the lack of spiritual vitality that my household has. I'm, I'm feeling humiliated by the mistakes I've made. What do you tell that person? How do they fight that lie that things are hopeless or that they are worthless? What do you say to that mom, Cassie? Well, I would say for as real as the story is shame in your life, because it is, it's real and it's probably more pervasive than we even acknowledge or realize because, or maybe that's just me because I'm just now reading and kind of doing my work, doing yeah. work. I've been going to counseling and all that. More real and more true is the story of scripture. And so I would say run to scripture and start doing the work that that shame has done. Like start thinking about and considering where you've bought into that story in mm. your life and even how that's impacting your relationship with God first, your relationship with your spouse if you're married, your relationship with your kids, because it is, it's kind of like this counter story to what is true. Yeah. And I don't know, we're the, in a lot of ways, as we walk about our days, we're kind of like the main character. So what we're believing about this story is incredibly impactful to our, to our surroundings and to our daily lives. So, but yeah, I mean, the scriptures that we've mentioned, I would like be writing those down. I would go to them, meditate on them pray, and then start doing the work of kind of uncovering the shame that's in your life. 
Yeah. Yeah. I say sh- shame is such a message of hopelessness. Mm-hmm. Um, and the believer has got to, to press into hope and say, what can God not undo? Look at the story of the, the Apostle Paul's life to go yeah. from celebrating murder to being the author of, of our divinely inspired scriptures, right? Um, to being the teacher and, and the mentor in, in our faith. What can God not undo? Right. Um, what can he not change? What can he not cover with the blood of his son? Like you said, like when, mm. when Adam and Eve feel ashamed, it's God who goes and undoes it. You know, he's the one that kills the animal, makes the clothes and says, let me cover you up. He said, your effort to cover yourselves is pretty poor here with these leaves. Let me give you something a little more lasting, you know? Yeah, the truth is none of us could pay the price for Mm -hmm. sin for ourselves or for anyone else. No. And yet we have Christ whose blood could pay the price for all sin and did so. It was his joy. Right. willingness. Mm. So any sort of wallowing in like, like what you were describing of like, if I'm ashamed of how things are going spiritually in my house or ashamed of whatever, like any wallowing in that will keep you there. Yeah. You will not get out of it by feeding yourself those things. That's I am good. the worst. I'm no good. I can't do any, you will not, you will not climb out of anything. Nothing's going to be overturned um, when we're feeding that to ourselves. And so we've got to press into hope that God is, uh, the giver of good things, that God wants good things for us, that uh, he can He can overcome anything, that his arm is not shortened, that he cannot save. That's a really good. Like if your problems are a hole that you're stuck in and shame is a shovel, and so you cannot dig yourself out of what you found yourself in no. by going like, no, I, I'm right about me. I'm just, I'm disgusting. I'm wrong. I'm gross. I've, I've messed up. I'm broken. Mm-hmm. You go like where that is accurate, give that to the Lord. And where there is, you know, like you said, genuine guilt, you've done something wrong. Let's own it. Let's repent. Mm-hmm. But to think that uh, maybe kind of a poverty gospel of the soul is accurate to say, well, the harder I am on myself, the holier I am, mm-hmm. is not that there is not a biblical precedent that you are following when you say, no, God, I, I know what I need right now. And while you set me free, what I need is slavery. Mm-hmm. And right. while you've liberated me, what I need is to return to, to Egypt. Yeah. No, the Lord's going, oh, I got you out of that. Why would you return to that? Right. So if That's you return to a yoke, a yoke of slavery, yes. then Christ died for nothing. Yes. Yeah. Amen. So I think what you guys are saying is so good to say, what is the narrative I'm telling myself? What is the narrative? Say it out loud and then say, now what is actually true? And then to take those things that you know are true and make that the thing that you start to say to yourself often. Mm-hmm. I'm a child of God. Yeah. That- I'm forgiven. That book you and I both read, Winning the War in Your Mind. Yeah, Craig Rochelle. Yeah, I thought it was so good. And but it requires work. Like Cass said, you have to do the work. In that book, he just he just really goes through just some kind of different struggles of things he's thought for a long time about himself and then just walks through like mm. this is how you discipline your mind to think what God says is true, um, and to pursue those things. And uh I thought, it, I thought it was just laid out really well, but it does require work on your part. But I think that could be really helpful for some of our listeners if there's Amen. a recurrent um, besetting idea yeah. that enters into your mind a lot, especially about yourself and how to use scripture and prayer to kill that. And I believe he's written a version of that book for teenagers as well. Say, yeah. So oh, if, you're, cool. if you awesome. have kids that are struggling with kind of the, the mantra of lies in their minds, to go, right, let's process that together and start to speak truth into those, truth that is rooted in Scripture. I think that's great. We should see if here Dr. Thompson can come on, maybe. Yeah. Future episode. Look out for it.
look out. Well, thanks for listening, friends. If you think it's as important as we do to disciple our families, please help us out by giving us a great review wherever you listen to podcasts. Visit one of our sponsors and share this episode, please, with one of your friends. If you want to keep up with us or join the conversation, you can follow the Family Discipleship Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. We love you, listeners. We'll talk to you next week.